0: Thanks for joining us here on the Grief Observed Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Murrell. Um, I know there's a lot of people who need to be heard during the grief journey, but sometimes we don't always have that opportunity. Um, if that's you, please contact me at griefobservedpodcast at gmail.com. Just drop me a quick line and tell me a little bit about the person you lost, as well as how you're dealing with grief, and we'll try to get you on the show. Um, this leads me to our next guest, Devin. Uh, Devin lost her husband, and she would like to share her grief story with us today, and I'm happy to uh, just be a small part of getting those grief stories out there like hers. So if you connect with her story, I'll have her email in the show description. So without further delay, I would like to welcome Devin to the show. So Devin, welcome, and uh, thanks for sharing your story with us today.
1: Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me and allowing me to do so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I always tell people it's, you know, I hate that it's these moments that I get to meet new people, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I love to share, um, in that grief, uh, story with someone and just be a part of, you know, letting them, uh, get that story out there to others that need to to hear that. So,
1: Absolutely.
0: um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and we'll just start there.
1: Okay. Um, Well, thank you for having me again. Um, My my name is Devin Taylor. I'm 31 and I'm from a small town um, in West Tennessee. Uh, I met my husband in November of 2011. Uh, We got married July 2013. Um, I currently work as a cake decorator at Walmart. Um, and my husband, before he passed, uh, was a um, beverage distributor, and he was also a fireman. Um, and we had a beautiful little girl, um, July of 2019, and uh, I actually lost my husband February the 11th, uh, 2022. Uh, this coming February will be two years. Um, he passed away from COVID complications, uh, but this, this grief journey has been wild, um, I never really experienced true loss until, you know, my grandmother passed away and that's when I seen and felt, you know, the real sadness and seen how it affected other people too, not just myself.
0: When did you lose your grandmother?
1: Um, I can't remember it. It was maybe a year or two before I lost my husband.
0: Was that the first major grief that you had experienced? It
1: was. Yeah, it was. And me and my grandmother, we weren't really close, so it didn't affect me. You know, know, grief affects everybody differently with each person that you lose. So, um, you know, I did feel that sadness, and I do miss her every now and then, but it's not that deep um, heartbreak Mm -hmm. grief that I feel now with my husband.
0: But you said that was the first time you really noticed grief on the face of others, right?
1: Yes, yes.
0: Okay. Um what did you notice on them, you know, prior to your experience of of losing your husband? What did you see in different people in your life as far as the loss of your grandmother?
1: Um well, it was my dad's mom. So I really seen the struggle with him being the head of the family, you know, as as the man. Um he had grief. It was written on his face, but you couldn't you couldn't really get it out of him because he had to be the man, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that's
0: a real common thing with men too, is we, we don't always show our emotions on our shoulders. Um, I, I don't think that I'm particularly bad at that. Um, my mom actually says I'm probably the most emotional man she's ever met in her life, (laughs) (laughs) but most men, um, they don't, they, they, Feel like they have to uh, be strong for everyone else and, Mm -hmm. you know, don't cry. And, you know, that's kind of what we're taught as men is, you know, just pick yourself up, wipe yourself off and move on. And in fact, if if you go through the history of this podcast so far, I've had one guy, one. And and this is episode Mm -hmm. seven. And I've actually reached out to multiple uh, men online to try to share their story and I've got a couple of I'll think about it and then a lot of no responses <laughs> so um, I think that's just the the general way of men we think we have to be strong yeah so yeah so you could see the grief on your dad's face but he he felt like he had to hold it together then
1: yeah he did he did Um, and you know he also had to deal with losing his dad we lost my grandfather when I was young. Um, I was probably, you know, five, six, maybe even younger. So I didn't really experience that grief with, you know, him or anybody else until I was old enough to know what was going on. Um, you know, with my grandmother. So.
0: Hmm. So you said that was a couple of years before your husband passed. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um, so why don't you tell me more about your husband? You said uh, you got married in 2013.
1: We did. We got married in 2013. Um, and his his dad and my dad were friends growing up. So uh, we kind of knew each other. Um, and he was, you know, seven years older than I was. So the thought of dating did not even surface until we were both very of age.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah.
1: and um, but we we actually met. Um, and started talking through Facebook, but we did, we did know each other. So we weren't going into this blind. Um, and we started dating and three months later we actually moved in with each other. Um, and then that following year we got engaged in December. And then the following July we got married.
0: Wow. Okay. Um, and you said you met, I guess, or, or I guess started dating in 2011. Did I get that right? Yes. 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 Okay. All right. So a couple of years and then got married. Yeah. Um, So tell me more about like, what was, what was married life like with your husband?
1: Oh, uh, you know, no marriage is perfect. We had our ups and downs, but um, we loved doing, he loved, he was a fireman um, and he really loved that. And I love the aspect of being involved with that, that type of family. Um, It really is a different type of family when you get to know people from the fire department and you know, their wives and their children, and it becomes a, a tight knit group. Um, but he, Josh also um, distributed for a beverage company where we live. Um, and he really loved that job. He worked at MTD, which was a, a factory that builds lawnmowers for 15 plus years. Mm-hmm. And we started going to church and we were trying to get rooted in our faith. Um, and he started this new distributing job and Everything kind of took off from there. Everything, everything was going pretty well, and then that's that's when we lost him.
0: Hmm. Um. And and you all had one child. Is that correct?
1: We did. We have one daughter. Um. She okay. was she was two when he passed away. She's now four. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hmm. And she's a she was a daddy's girl. You couldn't separate the two. He was such a wonderful Aww. dad too. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't ask him to do anything different. He was a wonderful dad.
0: What do you tell her now?
1: Well, we we tell her that Daddy's in heaven. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and there's no doubt in my mind that he he's there. Um, you know, he this is this this is a hard part.
0: <laughs> yeah, take your time.
1: You know, one of the things with um with grief and dealing with losing a spouse is you also deal with your child's grief. Um, And she, she doesn't understand death um, like we do, but, you know, we just have to tell her, you know, daddy was sick um, and Jesus and God needed him more than we did. So they took Mm -hmm. him to heaven. So she's kind of, she's kind of understanding that aspect of it a little bit. But she still has questions. You know, the older she gets, the more questions she's going to ask, and that's totally fine. I just try to push her toward, you know, our faith side of it, and not, mm-hmm. you know, anything else. So,
0: yeah, and there's there's some great books out there. Um, there is I for for younger, younger people, mm-hmm. really. Yeah, any any titles that you can think of that uh, you could not, share with us?
1: Not right offhand. Um, it doesn't no focus. Worries. No worries. It doesn't focus on her age now, but it's like around the eight, or nine, ten year old group. Um, Mm -hmm. but you could still read those and take from those and kind of teach her leading up to that point. So,
0: yeah, that's, um, you know, you're talking about trying to manage your own grief Mm -hmm. and yet, um, shoulder the grief of your child as well, especially a young child who doesn't have that full understanding. Um, you know, we know that a lot changes in the brain around age seven to where, a lot of concepts, a lot of things that uh, maybe in younger children, mm-hmm. um, some of those things start taking root to where they do understand. And it's not to state that a four or five year old doesn't understand that dad's no longer here, or you know, but where he passed when she was two—that's already um, going into a different area. You know, mm-hmm. it's like how many memories does she retain, and and when there is a significant person in your life and then they're removed I do feel like she probably will or does have memories I don't know do you do you think she recalls her dad
1: I think she does um, she refers to her dad a lot um, you know and there's days where I have bad days and I get upset and she'll see me cry and she'll say what's wrong mommy do you miss my daddy Aww. and you know I think I think she's she understands a little I think she does remember him. Um, because we'll look at pictures and we'll look at videos and she'll say, oh, you know, I remember daddy said this or daddy did that. So that's, that's good. Hmm. It's, it's kind of cool.
0: Do you feel like her memories or what she states are, her memories are fairly accurate?
1: Somewhat. Yes. You know how four-year-olds have imaginations too, as well. So.
0: Oh yes. Yes. (laughs)
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. Um, so, Tell me about you. Like, what is it like to have to be strong for her and yet you still going through your grieving process?
1: Oh, it's, it's tough, you know, and everybody's grief is different. Um, and grief is different with each person you lose. So, you know, Lakin lost her dad and I lost my husband. So those are two totally different things. And, It's it's hard to talk to other people about my type of grief and my type of loss um, because it's it's not really shared, um, you know, with other people. That was our personal relationship we had with each other. So I may miss different things about my husband that somebody else would miss, you know, and dealing with my grief and. Trying to be strong for my daughter has probably been one of the most difficult things thus far um, in my 31 years. You know, you never think you're going to be a a single mom, and you know, you you lose your husband at, at such an early age, and um, it's it's tough. It uh, it definitely it's it's mentally tiring. Um, you know, and you you have to go through the first with your child and by first i mean um you know like her first day of kindergarten or her first surgery or you know the first birthday without him that's really hard trying to keep that together but also make sure that my daughter is comforted as well um
0: you know you you actually just opened up a whole new thought process for me mm-hmm. and uh it, i i guess it would just took somebody saying that but i always talk about the first um mm-hmm. Through a yearly calendar, like whenever you lose someone, you go through a lot of those first, like first birthday, first anniversary, first Christmas, those type of things. And, and then when you get to that second year, you can, you've got that confidence that, hey, I've been here before, Mm -hmm. but you just made me realize that, you know, someone that has children actually has some delayed first, just like you stated a, a, you know, first surgery um, a f- first breakup with a boyfriend, yeah. Holy cow. you no, know,
1: graduation, her learning how yeah. to drive. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, um, so I guess your grieving process can somewhat be stretched out compared to, uh, someone else's in a lot of ways. If those first with such a young child mm-hmm. have not been, um, have not come to fruition yet, just like that first surgery or, you know, yeah, that's, that's really interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, well, what brought that about was, um, I actually joined a grief share class through my church, um, three months mm-hmm. after my husband passed away. Um, you know, cause those first couple of months after you lose a loved one, it is robot mode. You know, you're so, Concerned with, uh, you know, bank accounts and your the house and getting bills paid and you know everything like that. You don't you don't really live that first three months in your grief. You just kind of stuff it back and do what you got to do to get through it. Um, so after those first three months, I really had an issue of finding my identity again. Um, mm. You know, because for the longest time, I was you know a wife. I was a mother and. You know, I was still trying to figure out my identity through Christ as well. So when I lost Josh, I just feel like I lost everything. And I questioned, I questioned, you know, everything I did, if I was doing stuff right, if I was going about it the right way. So I joined this grief, this grief share class, um, and it, it really opened my eyes to things early on that I'll experience, you know, like the first um, and recognizing your grief and dealing with it per se, Um, just kind of a reassurance that you're not going crazy and everything that you're feeling is real. Um, And it kind of teaches you how to deal with it, you know, through the comfort of God. And that has really helped so much.
0: Yeah, you you bring on a a very important point. Uh, You actually had several important points there, but one I want to key in on, Um, you, you speak about how You kind of lost, or I'm not really lost, but your identity was was kind of, I guess, clouded through Mm -hmm. this experience. Um, One of, I would say, one of the best grief counselors, grief speakers out in the world today is a man named David Kessler and he says in grief we need to take time to mourn the life we were supposed to have mm-hmm. so a lot of times i think we have this vision for what life is supposed to be um and here you're stating okay we've we've had this major alteration in you know and i put it in quotes what su- what was supposed to be mm-hmm. and you know you were used to being um you know, someone that shared duties in the home and now you're having to take on all this financial stuff, figure out all these things that a lot of times can't wait. And really what's going on is it is delaying your grief Mm -hmm. because you're, you're having to deal with just stuff.
1: It is, it is. It's, it's tough. And, um, you know, you know, once you experience grief, I believe that grief is, um, forever, you know, and you you kind of learn how to wear it which is something that I pulled from that grief share class is you you learn how to wear it you don't you don't carry it with you as a burden um but you know it's it's it changes everything it changes um you as a person it changes your relationship with other people um even you know the romantic side of relationships and you know your child always comes first so you know, it's it's hard to tell your mind where to go after something like this happens. So that grief share is really what put everything, you know, in line for me. And um, it's it's it hasn't been easy, that's for sure. And I, I may look like it's easy. I may pretend like it's easy, but it's it's certainly not.
0: Hmm. I definitely want to come back to the identity piece mm-hmm. um, here in a bit, but I at least want to talk about. You, you lost your husband during a time where uh, the world was, it, it seemed very chaotic and, and crazy for a lot of us. Um, we had the COVID stuff going on, you know, late 19, I guess, mm-hmm. and then definitely all the way through 2020. And yeah. I, I always pick this word of the year and I literally almost picked the word vision mm-hmm. uh, for that year. You know, twenty twenty. It sounds obvious, you know, for vision. <laughs> yeah. But wow, um, I, I'm glad. I I don't know that I, I didn't pick that word, but I think a lot of our visions for what was or what we thought was supposed to be mm-hmm. drastically changed that year. Yeah. So tell me more about your husband and, I guess, the illness factor in, mm-hmm. in his death.
1: Well, um, I had actually got sick. And I tested positive with COVID. And the very next day, my husband said, you know, well, I'll go ahead and I'll I'll go get checked because he wasn't feeling too well either. Um, So he went to the doctor and sure enough, he had it as well. Um, Actually, we all three had it, you know, him, I, and my daughter. And um, we went, that was on a Friday when he got checked. Well, Monday came and Josh said, you know, I'm still not feeling well. And I feel like I'm kind of having trouble breathing a little bit so he ended up going to the doctor and the doctor said you know you sound fine she didn't do any x-rays you know to check and see if there was actually something wrong in the lungs um and later on that night when he got home from the doctor he started turning purple around his mouth a little bit and he said you know i really i really am having trouble breathing so we had one of our friends come over um and he gave him a breathing treatment and checks his, checked his oxygen level. And he was feeling, you know, somewhat better after the breathing treatment. Well, mm-hmm. when we, he, later on that night, he started feeling a little bit worse. And the worst things that you could do at the time, what they said was sit still and to stay laying down. So I actually put his breathing treatment medicine on the other side of the room to ensure that he would get up, walk over there and do his breathing treatment to kind of help him out a little bit. Well, my daughter and I had went to bed and he had slept in the recliner that night so he could sit up. And the next morning when we woke up, he he said, I think I need an ambulance. And at that point, I knew that something was really wrong and he was very sick. Um, so when he we called the ambulance. His, his oxygen level was actually 86, uh, which is Mm. it's bad. So
0: yes, yes.
1: They transferred him to one hospital and they did some breathing exercises with him and nothing got better over the next five days. Um, so they, we actually got him transferred from the hospital in Martin to a hospital in Murfreesboro. Um, and, that is initially where he started to go down. He was there three days, and they had to intubate him um, and put him on the machine to help him breathe. Um, and he he ended up getting worse from that point and needed, um, oh gosh, I can't remember what they call it. Um, he needed a, a, a special, I don't know, I don't know how to say it, um, not... It was some type of surgery or, you know, where they, oh gosh, I'm at a loss for words for this. Um, But anyway, we had to get him transferred from Murfreesboro to Nashville Um, and he was Mm -hmm. at Nashville for the remainder of his time. So we did three hospitals um, and he ended up passing in Nashville. And this all was exactly a month from, you know, the time that he was sick to the time that he had passed.
0: So you all had COVID, I guess, in January of twenty two. Then, yes,
1: mm-hmm. we did. Okay.
0: Um, how did you end up doing with COVID yourself? Like, was it? Did you experience any of the same symptoms that he did, or I was did. it completely? We, we had okay. the
1: same symptoms. Um, you know mm-hmm. the 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 mucus buildup in your your nose, your ears, and the trouble breathing. Um, and I was a former smoker, so that didn't help my situation any. Um, and Mm -hmm. you know, Josh being on the fire department, there's no telling what kind of issues he had with his lungs, um, previously, but actually a month before him and I got COVID, we had a tornado come through our town and he was out all night, uh, you know, breathing in, you know, all different kinds of gas, the insulation, um, and ended up catching pneumonia from that and Mm -hmm. which led into the COVID. So, it, it was a journey for sure.
0: Did he have any other health issues before this? Or? He
1: had a heart issue when he was 10. Um, he had a hole in his heart, I believe. Um, but, you know, other than that, he didn't really have any, any major issues. Um, but we did find out that when he was in the hospital in Nashville, that he only had one kidney.
0: Really? Yeah.
1: I'm not sure how that came about or how they found it. Um, I was actually in the process of um, coming back home and taking care of my daughter and running back and forth to see him. So those scans were done when I was here taking care of our daughter. Um, So it was a shock when they called me and told me that. I thought, oh, wow, that is so odd. Um, But, you know, one of the first things that everybody had said then with covid is um you know there's that fine line of either they're going to get better or they're going to get worse and josh was on that fine line um but then we started the blood pressure started dropping and his progress on um yeah, the breathing machine was not getting better it was actually getting worse so at that point his kidneys and stuff were starting to shut down and um i was at home when he had his episode is what we call it um he actually lost his life and they brought him back but it was just the machines that were keeping him alive when i arrived there um my daughter and i were at home it was 10:30 at night and my parents knocked on the door um i'm sorry <laughs>
0: No, you're fine. You take your time.
1: And I let my parents in um, and it, it kind of scared me because, you know, they were banging on the door trying to wake us up and I thought, oh gosh, uh, you know, somebody knows I'm here alone with my daughter and they're trying to break in. Um, but I opened the door and I, I seen my parents and I, at that point I kind of knew. Um, and my dad said, you need to sit down. And I said, no, this is it, isn't it? He said, yeah. Um mm. So we had to drive two hours to Nashville, um, and when I got there, it was just you know the machines and the medicine that was keeping him alive. And you know, I talk about my faith, and I kind of knew through this whole process that I was I was going to lose him. And I don't know if that was God preparing me, mm. but nonetheless, it you know didn't make it any easier, but. You know, when I walked through those doors and I seen him, I knew his soul was not in his body. Hmm. I don't know how I knew, but when I looked at him, I knew that he was not there. And then I had to make that decision to take him off of the machine. Um, And of course, I had to speak with his family as well. And... Now it was less than five minutes, and we took everything off, and he was gone.
0: Hmm. I'm sorry you had to experience that. I, I can't imagine um, losing a spouse, period, but to go through what you went through, I, I think it was a tough time for a lot of people. I, I know I've counseled people who had to say goodbye to, you know, someone suffering from COVID you know, through a a glass window. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's it's very scary because, you know, this was when it was just starting out. So everything was still very unknown of um, you know, the medicines. You know, each each person is different, but they had the same medication for everybody. So you didn't know how the the person was gonna take it, you know, if it was gonna help or if it if it wasn't, it was it was all very unknown because you couldn't get any answers.
0: Right. Well, tell me how like your experience with grief has, I guess, evolved over time because you're, you're a little bit removed. I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. you're not far, far removed from it at this point, but how has grief changed since the moment that you first lost your husband to now?
1: Well, my grief has been a struggle, um, you know in the beginning i didn't want to feel all of those feelings so i i did a lot of stupid things and i tried to stay busy um and i think now that life is finally kicking back in and we're starting to see our new normal um is what we call it in grief share it's yes it's tough um but you know you make progress and you and you take steps backwards as well and you really have to you can't look at those steps backwards as a loss, like like you're not getting better because you are. Um, but I actually helped lead the Grief Share class this go around, um, and listening to other people's stories has really helped me, and it's helped with my learning process of dealing with grief. Um, you know, we everybody has their good days, everybody has their bad days, um, but those 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 bad days can get really bad. And that's a that's a scary aspect of it because you don't ever think your mind could go to places that it goes. Mm. Um, when you're dealing with something like this, because the feelings are just so overwhelming. And I think I think now and two years later, that's what I'm starting to do is really allow myself to deal with the grief and feel it as I need to, because this grief share class has taught me that, that that's completely normal. It's it's okay to be that upset and it's okay, you know, to shut yourself off. You just can't get stuck in your grief. You have to continue to move forward, not move on. You don't want to move on because you're never going to forget it, but you just have to move forward. And that's what something, you know, Rob said he needed, he needed more than just the next step or the next breath. And I think this grief share class and learning through God that I can have that comfort, um, in my grief journey. And, you know, that's, it's, it's just, it's, it's weird. And it's, it's kind of a good thing and it's, it's a bad thing at the same time.
0: Yeah. And I'll, I'll put the grief share organization website in the show notes as well. I think it's a super, super important group. Um, and, and they can be found. I, I know I've got probably four or five of them within 20 miles of my house. Mm-hmm. Like a, there's <laughs> lots of churches that have the grief share program. Um, I've not personally been through it, but I know hundreds of people who have and gained quite a bit of knowledge about it. And, you know, that's one of the reasons I started this podcast was because, like you stated, you heard other people's stories and although your story is unique and and like you've stated, grief, you know, it's like a snowflake. Every grief that you go through is different. Mm -hmm. Even you personally, you know, going through the loss of a grandmother, that was different than the loss of your husband. Mm -hmm. Um, but everyone's grief is different, but I feel it is, um, a good thing for people to understand, okay, what I'm going through isn't abnormal you know, normal is subjective Mm -hmm. for sure. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: (laughs) what your normal is compared to mine may be totally different,
1: right? Mm -hmm. but I
0: think what is abnormal is not always subjective. Um, just knowing that, okay, it's, it's okay. If I don't eat as much as I used to, it's okay. If I don't have as much energy as I used to, Mm -hmm. you know, when it becomes concerning is when it becomes a lifestyle, right. right? As opposed Mm -hmm. to, part of the grieving process. So I I think, um, you know, it's grief share is great. And I love the fact that you're actually, um, I'll say getting your hands dirty. Now you're actually leading the group. And um, that tells me right there in your own grief, you're actually, like you stated, moving forward, not moving through, Mm -hmm. not moving around, not moving past, but moving forward. And uh, I think it's great when you can use your personal pain to bring help to others. Um, I I feel personally in my own life that I've got what I consider my four pillars of life. It's the four things that were absolutely the most difficult things I've ever dealt with, but yet it's the things that drove me to be a therapist or to be a better therapist. Mm -hmm. And uh, it sounds like this is one of those pillars in your life that, that you're using to help others. That's great.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I definitely, you know, I try, and I want to bring a light to God because he, if it wasn't for him, you know, I don't know if I would have gotten through this. Um, I know you talked about, uh, uh, your wife, you did a podcast with your wife, Kendra, is that right?
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, um, she spoke about suicide, um, you know, and you know, that's how dark your, your grief can get. Um, and right now the, the aspect of grief I'm in is that, that regret, um, you know, suicide crossed my mind, but it's something that I would never do. Um, but I always thought of it as an option, but you know, I have other things to live for, you know, my daughter needs me, you know, that's, it's, it's a very selfish thing. And I think that's what y'all talked about. It's a, um, you know, a, a quick solution for a temporary problem, um,
0: right? Right.
1: But um, and and you said that uh, it's not that we we want to actually die and remove ourselves from the earth. We just want something to go away. Um, and with me, that was the regret and the overwhelming um, emotions of of your grief um, is what I struggled with. You know, it's. I'm I'm okay to talk about that side of it because it's, it's part of it. You know, it's not, it's not something that I would ever, you know, accomplish or do because I I do have a purpose on this earth and God does have a plan for me. And I don't, I don't want to, you know, that to be a slap in his face, but, um, the regret that I have, um, you know, the shoulda, coulda, wouldas (laughs) in, in our marriage, um, it's, it's tough. And, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, when people lose their grandparents, you know, they're usually older, you know, they're 80, you know, they've lived their life and, you know, people grieve what was, or what, you know, the relationships that they had in my grief, I have to grieve what could have been, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so that's, that's hard. And there's a lot of things that I know I could have changed. Um, I could have been a better wife. I could have been a better mom. I could have done all this stuff. But even if I did and I was able to go back and change that, it would not have changed the outcome of what happened to him. So recognizing that is, is a big step, I think, for me in my grief journey.
0: You just keyed in on an absolute uh, nail driver point that I try to bring up at every grief seminar that I do. Mm -hmm. And you just said, even if, and, and I heard this in a continuing ed class, I don't know, a couple of years back. And it may have been David Kessler that brought this up, but we need to change the what ifs to even ifs. It's like, okay, even if I were a better wife, better spouse, better, whatever, um, the outcome of this likely would not have changed right mm-hmm. one, of, one of the experiences that you've had um i actually use as a reference for grief and it you had the decision to remove your husband from the ventilator mm-hmm. and that's I, I can't imagine the weight of that decision but that's where I use that, even if, right? Right. Because mm-hmm. even if you weren't the person to do that, um, it had to be done. Have, right. Right. And and even if um, you didn't, you know, there's a chance where you know at some point the body is going to give out, yes. right? Like mm-hmm. there's there's not enough machines to keep someone living at some point, Certainly. so. That's where the what ifs changed into the even ifs are absolutely essential. So I I can tell just by speaking with you in these brief moments, you know, um, you know, we're just barely past our, uh, you know, halfway in the podcast. Yeah. And I can tell where you're at in your grief journey. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you've gained a lot of knowledge about just life and death and about self. Um, and maybe that's that's a good segue to get back into uh, the the identity piece that I kind of shelved yeah. several minutes ago. I, I can feel you have a very strong identity just the way that we're speaking here. And uh, I am curious, though, how your identity has changed from being spouse to, okay, now you're uh, you know, you will always have been a spouse, uh, a wife, mm-hmm. but how has your identity changed? And it sounds like your faith is an important aspect of this. Like, it is. Mm-hmm. where do you find, where do you find your identity now?
1: Well, um, one of the things in our grief share class um, that stood out to me this year was worship while you wait. Um, so, my identity—I'm trying to find. In Christ, you know, I, I do have a, a identity on this earth um, as a mom, you know, and I'm still a daughter-in-law. I'm, I'm still somebody's daughter, but finding my identity and where I feel comfortable and where I could help people the most is 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 through God. Um, and you know, Josh's life ended, but mine didn't, so I still have to keep pushing. And um, you know, when at the end of Josh's life, when we were married, um, I didn't, I didn't have this outlook, um, of God at that point. Um, so, you know, I, I, I got saved in, um, 2021. So about a year before Josh passed and I was still learning, um, and things were going well for us. And then this happened and it, it shook my identity. Um, you know, cause everybody talks about the good that God does and they don't talk about this side of it where, you know, sometimes God does things and it's, it's going to hurt us and it's going to change our whole life, but we still have to find that comfort in him because in the end it is his plan that we need to, you know, accept and say, Hey, You know, okay, God, this is this is my life, but it's your plan. And I need your help to follow that through. Um, so my identity right now is, you know, just just to be the best mom I can and lead my daughter um down that road of Christian faith. Um, you know, we Josh and I, when we were in church, we did a baby dedication, um, which is where you commit to raising your child with the knowledge of the Christian faith. Um, and since Josh is not here, that is now my job to take on. So I, I'm really, I'm really trying to do that, but I'm also trying to, um, you know, keep, get my faith rooted to where I have that, um, that self, um, oh, I don't, I don't know what the word, the, um, I really, I really need to be committed and continue to holding on to God, um, and to get rooted in my faith. That way I can follow that that dedication through, um, for my husband and for my daughter and for God.
0: Yeah, that's, you know, and, and I always try to tell people, you know, especially like in your daughter's life, you know, your, your husband, blood, his blood still flows through your daughter's veins, Absolutely. right? So a, <laughs> a part of him is still living, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, I think by, by raising your daughter in the ways that you would have raised, um her with him in your life still it still can be done you know so it's it's a nice way of honoring him and uh you know one one thing that i've i've meant to read for many podcasts i'm going to take a moment to do it and um just to encourage any believers out there uh as if your story hasn't already i I feel like you do have a very strong faith that I, i hear coming through but i want to read um a verse that I found whenever my best friend passed away 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. And it just really, really brought me comfort in a time that there was not much that could comfort me. And it's first Thessalonians four 13 through 18. (laughs) And, and I'll read it. It says, but I do not want you to be ignorant brethren concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Mm -hmm. and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we, and this is the most encouraging part, Mm -hmm. then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Amen. Amen, yes. (laughs) That is such a powerful, powerful verse. And like I stated, it gives us so much hope that we will see our loved ones again. Mm -hmm. Um, So let me ask you this. This this is a great segue because I can can sit here and think about my friend Chad and my uh, paternal grandfather and how I had these confirmation dreams that they are good and well and just I, waiting for me. <laughs> um, have you had any dreams like that of Josh?
1: Actually, I have. Um, and I've, I've told a few people about this. Um, it was about a month after Josh passed. And, you know, I was really praying to God. I was I was faltering a little bit um, from my faith. Uh, a lot of people do, and that's okay. Just make sure you you get back, you get back on track. But, um, you know, I had just, I had prayed, I said, God, you know, if if he really is there, and if there really is a heaven, can you please just show me something? Well, I had a dream one night that, um, you know, we were, me and Lakin were laying in our bed and we were sleeping. Um, and Josh appeared beside the edge of the bed and he put his hand on my hip and he leaned over and looked at Lakin and, and smiled and he leaned over and looked at me and smiled. And then he just disappeared. And that wow. was it. And to me, that was kind of, you know, God letting me see that, you know, he is okay. And there really is, you know, no sickness in heaven and no tears. And that brought me a lot. I'm sorry. It brought me a lot of comfort a lot of reassurance.
0: Yeah. I And, and I honestly, I, I believe those dreams are very much God-driven. I oh, don't yeah. think every dream that we have, especially the scary nightmares, I don't think those <laughs> are of God. But right. um, but when we have one of those dreams, that's, that's what I call them, is, is kind of a confirmation dream. Um, just something that says they're no longer in pain. They're no longer suffering. They're um happy where they're at, you know, and I just I truly believe that is just a gift from God that says you don't have to worry. You know, take Mm -hmm. take heed in those words from uh from First Thessalonians that, you know, you will see your loved one again. So that's that's super, super comforting.
1: Absolutely. And you know Ashley, I actually have that that bible verse tattooed on my arm. Um Do you really? I do. That's yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> and actually I was I was going over one of the footnotes in my bible and um you know, it says grieving is a natural and healthy process, but the Christian's grief should look different from that of others who have no hope. Christian's grieve with a confidence that deceased believers are safe in heaven and thus their grief is mixed with comfort and even joy. And mm. that's um you know that's a lot of uh that's a lot of what i deal with um you know josh he was well known in our community so i feel like i have eyes on me constantly um through this grief journey um you know seeing just how i'm dealing with it and and i just want them to know if they're listening that you know i deal with it through god that's 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 the comfort that i have and i do find joy um, in the grief, even though he is gone. I know that one day I will see him again. And I know that he's in heaven now and he's, he's not suffering anymore like he was on this earth.
0: Hmm. That's great. Let Let me ask you this. Um, how do you keep like the memory of Josh alive in your daily life?
1: Oh, uh, we we talk about him a lot, and um, you know, we've I've got like a shrine on my wall in the living room <laughs> with <laughs> with pictures, and um, I've got a few of his his fireman helmets hanging up, and his axe that his two best friends actually built and hung up for me. But um, yeah, we we look at pictures and we'll listen to music, or you know, if she's acts like her dad, I will certainly point that out and say, you know, your daddy used to do that, and she'll be like, oh, really. Mm. And I'm just like, yeah, so that's, that's what we do. We don't, we, we don't try to avoid the subject of dad because it's sad. We, we try to talk about him in a good way. So.
0: Yeah. So is, is there like a, uh, favorite memory or story about Josh that, that brings you comfort?
1: Uh, yeah, Josh and I are actually avid fishermen. Um,
0: <laughs> really?
1: Yeah. So. Some of the best times that we have had are when we were on the boat fishing cuz we would even, you know, call in to work some days and go and just being out there um talking about God. I hope God. they're not listening to this podcast. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I know. it's too late now, but Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But um yeah, when when we would fish, we would we would talk about God and we would talk about, you know, just just things and a lot of the stress of our everyday, you know, cooking dinner, taking out the trash and work and that kind of went away when we were, we were out fishing. So, Hmm. and he was a wonderful dad. Like I said, he, I couldn't have asked for him to do anything different. He was a wonderful dad.
0: Nice. So can you share any like coping strategies that really helped you uh, when you felt most overwhelmed? You know, you've, you've talked about, those negative thoughts like suicide Mm -hmm. and, and just being overwhelmed, like what helped you get to where you are today?
1: Um, really opening up about my grief and that, that has helped a lot, but you, you know, talk to people about it, um, find somebody that you really trust, um, and, and, and talk to them. It, It really helps, but recognizing your grief is probably one of the first steps for me that, that that helped, um, you know, and, and you just, you just have to make that, that first leap by saying, okay, you know, I'm feeling this and I'm, I'm kind of scared. What do I do? You know, reach out for help, uh, whether it's mm. through your church or through friends, you know, just, just reach out. You, you can't do it alone. You certainly cannot do it alone. Um, but so, yeah. Like,
0: how do you handle like that balance between, you know, expressing your grief and yet you know protecting your privacy too to have you know moments to where you just kind of check out away from others and and you know I also tell people it's it's not bad to have those moments to mm-hmm. where you know you are alone and and kind of grieve on your own but how how do you balance that
1: well uh you just you just have to be honest um you know there's there's times where I get asked to you know go places and do things or even with Josh's family I'm I'm struggling with with that like being with them and not feeling overwhelmed you just have to be honest and say hey you know i'm kind of having a rough day today um you know i'll get back with you or we'll we'll rain check it's just you know you have to be honest about it you can't try to hide it you you just you just have to tell them you know i'm I'm struggling today i'm having a hard time i really miss him and hope that they can accept that
0: so i'm going to ask you a really difficult question here Mm -hmm. Um, you had spoken about okay. You know there were times where you know I wish I I would have been a better wife mm-hmm. or you know. Um, and, and you're right. Like all couples go through things, but have you been able to exercise forgiveness towards yourself for anything that you felt like you left on the table um, from marriage?
1: I have not. Um. But I have recognized that that that's something I need to do is is to forgive myself, um, and you know, and I'm I'm really afraid of jumping into another relationship because I don't want to be that same person that I was because that things transpired in our marriage that made me very bitter, um, and instead of forgiving like I should have and like you know God tells us to do, I, I held that in and I, I became very bitter, and I, I really wish that that was something that I could have. You know, forgave because now maybe I could it would be easier to forgive myself, but I am I'm working on that aspect of it still. I just haven't reached that point of being able to do so
0: yeah i'll I'll give you one of the things that I share with my clients a lot, and it's um a word that I like to replace forgive with is pardon. Yes, pardon says, yes, you are guilty, but I choose to let you walk free. And and I think when we get to that point, you know, it doesn't excuse that. Okay, I'm, it doesn't give me the excuse to do whatever I did again. It doesn't mm-hmm. justify whatever I've done. It just states that um, okay, I'm guilty, but I'm setting myself free. Yeah, you know what I mean.
1: I do. I, I can understand that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, when when you think about the forgiveness aspect, or or thinking that. Um, you know, it kind of leads back into that what if thinking a lot Mm -hmm. of times, you know, if I would have done this or said this or, you know, whatever. And, and that just leads us right back into guilt. But when you can set yourself free from those things and, and say, you know what, I, it's, it's a learning experience and I'm moving through this, like you said, moving forward. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. That's, that's just kind of what I think of when I think of forgiveness. Absolutely. Well, we're, we're closing in on our time, but I always like to, to give the floor back to you and just, you know, anything that you want to share that you think we may have missed so far or, um, any, any final words, thoughts, um, or any, any help that you would share with somebody that's listening to your podcast here.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't, I, for the ones that have always wondered um, how I'm doing, I, I hope this kind of, um, you know, gives light to the situation. And if there is somebody out there um, that isn't saved and they're not in Christ, that they can really find comfort in Christ through through your grief. You know, when he's always there, he's, he's never leaving. Um, and, you know, when, when we lose a loved one, There are so many people at the funeral. There's so many people at your house. There's so many people at the wake. You know, and as time goes on, they kind of forget that, you know, these people even existed and then we're still reliving, you know, every day what happened and and they kind of forget. So um, they don't recognize when you're having those bad days or when you need time or you need comfort. So, you know, kind of talk talk about your grief. It's, it's okay to do that. You don't, you don't have to hide it. Um, but really you can ultimately find that comfort in God. And if there is a grief share class, you know, you can go to their, their grief share website and find somewhere near you, um, or find a counselor, you know, and get, get, get help. Um, I certainly needed it. Um, you know, and that's, that's really about it.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with, with every point you made. I don't know if, uh, I think it was in my episode with my friend Rob. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was one of the first episodes. <laughs> I, I stated, you know, I want to write this book about all the bad things that we hear or things that happen after a funeral. And I, I want to title that book, um you know, when the last casserole is gone. And and honestly, it's like, we, we get all this help front loaded on, you know, on the front end. And then it's like crickets, nobody's there anymore. And they've gone back to their lives. They feel like, okay, well, we, we did our duty. We, we cooked the casserole. We went to the wake, we went to the funeral and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, we're done. And it's like, no, that's really just when it's just beginning for those who are grieving. It is. And
1: I really want to thank um, my church, Central Baptist. They, everybody has been amazing. Um, You know, even now I'll still have people call me or message me and say, Hey, are you still doing okay? Do you need anything? And, and that, that is just so amazing to me that, you know, our brothers and sisters in Christ, they actually care. They really, they really do love you. They love each other. And that's what we're supposed to do. Um, and it's, you know, I just, I really appreciate that. I really appreciate everything that they did in the beginning and things that they're still trying to do now.
0: Well, I I think if anything I can take away from this podcast is, you know, you, you do have quite a testimony there and, you know, it, um, I, I feel like you've got a very concrete foundation in your identity, not only in self, but in Christ and, uh, Wow. It's, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you on this podcast. And, uh, you know, I feel like you've done well to honor your husband, you know, your, your daughter, yourself, (laughs) your community. And, uh, I could not thank you more. You've done a great job.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much.
0: All right. Well, thanks everyone for joining us here at the grief observed podcast. Um, I hope you've been truly blessed by this and, uh, You know, as Devin stated, if, if you do feel like you need more help out there, I definitely encourage you find counseling, go to grief, share anything, uh, just don't feel like you have to walk this journey alone. So take care everyone. And we will see you next time.